Howdy, folks. Welcome back to the podcast. I know for a fact that you're going to enjoy this interview that Katie just conducted with M is for Mama, Abby. And you were fired up after the interview. And so I, to, to be honest, I haven't listened to it yet. So I'm excited to listen to it. But there's a few things we need to discuss. We need to discuss with you before we dive into today's interview. One, the holiday seasons are upon us. This, no, no, the holiday season. One, singular. The holiday season is upon us. And we've got some special deals for you at now that we're family.com as well as voteburgmusicacademy.com. I'm going to talk about voteburgmusicacademy.com. Katie's going to be talking about the Get It All Done Club starting now. If you use the link below to sign up for Voteburg Music Academy, any of our courses, you get 15% off each month that you are subscribed. If you're subscribed for 50 years, that could amount to thousands of dollars in savings. And I highly recommend people to stay subscribed for at least that long. So thousands of dollars savings. If you use the link below, go over to Voteburg Music Academy. If you want to learn the guitar, the fiddle, the mandolin, the ukulele, the, or the piano, any of those, check them out. Also check out below. We've got a free piano masterclass that Katie's sister, Kelsey, our piano teacher on Voteburg Music Academy did. You can check that out to get a little insight into what her lessons are like. It's phenomenal. So if you already play the piano a bit, check out her masterclass for the holiday special. It's free. Go check it out. Like I said, I already said, go check it out, but, but do it. Yeah. They're great because siblings can share lessons. So this is an awesome Christmas gift. And speaking of Christmas gifts, the Get It All Done Club, I don't do discounts on the Get It All Done Club. And that is straight up because the community, I want to honor the women who have already saved up the money to purchase this. It is a big purchase. And then secondly, it is so worth it, you guys. I just keep adding content to the community women continue to join the community. We have, when I say community, we have our own um, discussion forum off of social media, which is awesome if you are trying to get away from being on social media as often as as often as, as you are. are. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you are familiar with the Get It All Done Club at all, it is a program that I created that is a home management program to help you go from drowning in motherhood to thriving in motherhood. I share the exact systems that I use in our home when I had three children that were two and a half and under that for almost a whole year. That's really when I created a lot of the systems. But then I've gone on to implement more and more and more as our family has grown, as the children have grown older. And I really want to help you get those daily tasks done quickly and efficiently and smoothly and easily so you can have time in your day to do the things that you actually love to do. I want you bouncing out of bed each morning instead of being on this hamster wheel of doing the same things um, over and over and over every single day. So if you enjoy hearing about systems, time management. Um, there's a lot of unique things in the Get It All Done Club. Go over there and check it out. The price will be going up. And that is the whole point of me telling you this. It continues to go up as more women join. It becomes more valuable. And as I add more content to the program. And so this is the last time that you will be able to get it for $297. If you do want a steeper discount, uh, then you can purchase the couples package, which has the get it all done club and the growth initiative for men, which is a six week live coaching program that Elisha does. It is small group coaching. Um, so there's usually no more than 40 to 50 guys in that group that goes through and you can purchase those things together. And that is how you can get the get it all done club at a steeply discounted rate there. Um, but on cyber Monday, 
the price will be going up and it, it will never come back down for the Get It All Done Club. So if you're looking for a Christmas gift and want to hit the new year strong, then now's your time. With that said, we'll dive in to today's interview. The Now That We're a Family Podcast. Lee, thank you so much for getting on today. I'm so excited to have you back to the Now That We're a Family Podcast. A lot of our listeners are familiar with you, but since you've been on here, you've written another book that has been incredible. It's really impacted my life, and I'm excited to get into that a little bit more today. Uh, first, if our listeners aren't familiar with you, could you give me a rundown of who you are and what life looks like for you right now? Oh, yeah. The, the first part's a little bit better than the, or easier than the second part. Uh, my name is Abby Halberstadt, and uh, I have a podcast that I always start with, Happy Wife, Mama to 10, Bible-Believing Christian. And if you knew nothing else about me, that would be kind of the essence of who I am in a nutshell and the roles that the Lord has given me to fill right now. Um, he has, after many, many years of praying about it and writing on the internet and kind of just hoping and hoping against hope, given me the opportunity also to be an author. And so I've published two books in the last 18 months, one at the beginning of 2022 and one just a couple of months ago in September. Um, MS for Mama and Heart is not the same thing as bad. I mean, we have various other things going on. And the reason I was laughing about the second part being a little more complicated is because our house flooded back in August. And this is a house that we spent a couple of years building ourselves. My husband did 90% of the work. I did 90% of the design and, you know, sourcing things and all of that. So it was kind of a bummer when our entire downstairs flooded to the point that we had to rip it all out. So we are living in a rental right now. And everything that I've done that has involved like launching this book has been happening, not from home base, but from rental base. And um, it's been a lot of upheaval and a lot of crazy, but the Lord's sustaining us through it. So that's who we are. Wow. What? Yeah. What a, a big thing, right? You're reminded of that whole heart is not the same thing as bad every day, I'm sure in this season. And, you know, just based off of that being the title of your newest book, what would you say? I'm always curious about this. What would you say has been the hardest stage of motherhood for you to this point? Has it been when you had the little kids, when you had the two sets of twins, like now with, you know, 10 kids and the wide age span and everything else you're doing? Yeah, I might have left out the part where I, where I, no, I said, I said mama to 10. I did say that part. Um, I, we, I always say that our hardest parenting years were when we quote unquote only had two and they were both very young, they're 18 months apart, very close together in age and very incapable of doing anything for themselves. Like you don't know whether anything you're doing is quote unquote working, paying off, going to produce fruit, you know, produce any more sanity or peace in your home. And it wasn't that everything was always chaos and disorder. I actually didn't feel necessarily crazy overwhelmed with two kids, but at times it was just like, is there any other switch but hard in this? You know, like I think the Lord has given this to me and I, and I see good in it, but it just seems like the switch is kind of always on hard and not a lot of fruit. So people are always surprised by that because they think, well, it must be when you had eight kids or when you, and then, then I would say the next season that really, really challenged me was when we jumped from three to five kids with our first set of twins. And I had five kids under six years old, well, six and under, I would say. And my husband traveled a lot and um, it was just a really sanctifying season of seeing my limits of being like, I am capable of keeping us alive and fed and we get some laundry done, but like, it's a struggle. This is not easy. There's, there's really no, um, especially when my twin girls, whom I talk about with their permission and with great love, but also 
transparency in the in the um, first couple of chapters of hard is not th the same thing as bad. And in the intro, especially when they reached toddlerhood, like they were just toddlers like I had not encountered before. And I already felt like I had seen some pretty, um, pretty challenging behavior <laughs> and just double it. And it was like, whoa, this is forcing me to rely on the Lord every single day. So those are two just seasons that stand out to me that maybe our actual season of life wasn't insane insane is too strong a word, but maybe our actual season of life wasn't as challenging as some other seasons have been like this current one is, but the children themselves and the stages they were in and the ages that they were felt just like a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah. And what would you say is the hardest thing about your season right now? Is it trying to launch a book and run a podcast? Is it the older kids like navigating them, the younger kids? Is it the spread? Like what is it now that you'd say is the most challenging? Right at this exact moment, it's too much going on. I have yeah. too much going on. We are looking at a season coming up where we don't. And I am the girl that's going to tell you to say no to things when you can. But there have been a lot of things I just couldn't say no to. Like I didn't choose for our house to flood. So yeah. we are yeah. we are required to figure out how to rebuild this house. You know, that's not something we can say no to. Um, and this this book was scheduled to launch whale before the house flooded um yeah is non-negotiable um you know putting meals on the table is non-negotiable and then some of the things that I had said to yes to long before knowing that it was going to be a busy season but not knowing this extra layer of being displaced from our home and having to rebuild it and some other things that have come into play we're going to be there we had some travel on our plates and um so we've really had to band together as a family and help out a lot and i don't think that's a bad thing but just this week alone like my husband had to travel at the beginning of the week i traveled for a very short trip a little bit and toward the end just seemed like everything that could go wrong did go wrong kind of thing not in a, not in a catastrophic way but in a frustrating day-to-day -day way i mean I was delivering soup to somebody and I started laughing after just about crying at how many wrong places I went and wrong amounts of soup I had and wrong address. And just, it was when I finally dropped it off and pulled it up and the bags were dripping all over my pants. I was like, of course, and of course they are. Um, I've also been having back problems chronically and chronic pain is no fun in the midst of kind of how much is going on. And I know lots of people all of a sudden were like, wait, 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 I know what your pain is. It's all your stress. And it doesn't help, you know? So I would say right now, it's just the fact that we are spread so thin with everything we have going on. And that's not how we like to live our lives. And it's not how we live our lives in general. But I also know that most of these things are God ordained and that we felt very confident in saying yes to them when we did, and that we will stick to our obligations and do what we said we're going to do. And that's a good thing. So this won't last forever. So I, I, I feel like we are right to the edge of something needs to change, but also our holidays are coming up and my obligations are out of the way and my deadlines are met and we'll be able to take a deep breath, but we would love to be in our house by Christmas and I don't think it's going to happen. So eh, yeah. That's tough. Well, I do love how your perspective, like the sooner that we can adopt that mindset of hard is not the same thing as bad the sooner it can start to serve us because the hard doesn't stop coming, you no. know, it, and, and you mentioned there were these really challenging seasons of parenting, but like you said, we say yes to things and then we have to fulfill those commitments and obligations regardless of what's happening, you know, six months, nine months, a year from then. And yeah. it's just kind of, you do have to trust the Lord and all of that and be like, well, he, he knew, he knew the house was going to flood when we said Absolutely. yes to this or whatever, yeah. but what a tough season for you guys. That's amazing. Thank you so much for getting on here and doing this podcast in the middle of that. 
Sure. Uh, okay, so I wanted to talk um, specifically about sons. How, because, you know, I've got four and then one daughter. My oldest is six. And you're further ahead in this, in every area. But really with raising these boys is what I'm curious about. How? What's kind of your split as far as girls and boys in your household? And what are their ages? So we have seven boys. So this is a good podcast for me to be on. I, I, I'm in this with you for sure. We have seven boys and three girls. Our girls are right in the middle. They are 11, 11 and 12. So they are one of our sets of twins and the 12 year old will be 13 in one week. So really 11 and 13. So preteens, early teen, um, our two oldest are boys. They're, they're the ones that were 18 months apart. Ezra is 17 and a half. Simon will be 16 in about 10 days, something like that. Um, so we have a couple of birthdays coming up. And then um, we have five little boys in a row at the as the cabooses so far. And the last two are also twins, little boys that are three years old. Wow. Okay. I knew you had a lot of boys, but I don't I don't think I'd ever done the math like in the family yep. pictures and counting them down. I was just like, that looks like a lot of boys. It's have you boys. have you found that there's been an age or a stage that is more difficult, like consistently with your boys, or is it just like all personality based? Like toddler or middle school or high school, you know, I feel like three to five for my boys is just a really like testing boundaries, tons of energy, not a lot of self-control, a lot of, not a lot of impulse control. Um, you know, they're just learning a ton and the, the energy levels are just through the roof. So there is always, you know, somebody throwing pillows at somebody and somebody jumping off the couch onto somebody else and somebody tackling somebody and somebody wrestling on the ground. And it's a really fun stage in some ways, but it's exhausting. That's probably really what it is. It's, it's not, it's not bad. It's hard, but it's not bad, Mm -hmm. but it's also, it wears you out. You just kind of get them all in bed at night and, and flop down on the couch and think, whew, that was that was kind of like the WWF right there in my living room, but that's every night, you know? So, yeah. Do you, so they just kind of work out of that season as they get older or are there different things that you like start to employ with them to engage them more in different ways or it naturally works itself out. Do you find that they, that they do um, age out of that? And I also have two sets of boys. I have those two that are close together at the, that are older and then the five and the five with the tiny boy gang is just something else. Like, they're not wild is not a word I would use to describe them because we don't promote wildness in our home, but boys also need to get energy out. I'm not going to just shut them down constantly. We're going to send them outside as much as we possibly can. If they're still interested in wrestling when they're outside, they can wrestle. But you know, if the, if the wrestling needs to happen right there in the midst of, you know, whatever we're trying to get done, read alouds or, you know, folding clothes or whatever, then yeah, go wrestle outside. You don't want to do that. Then you probably don't need to wrestle, you know, that kind of thing. So I would say that, like having those boundaries, it's not just a free for all. Mm -hmm. And when I say that it's the WWF, I mean, we're always kind of keeping an eye to head it off before it ends in a bloody nose and screaming, you know, Mm -hmm. while at the same time, finding that balance of giving them the freedom to get their energy out because we don't live in a museum, you know, and it's okay if you are rolling around on the couch, um, doing backflips on the couch, probably not okay. You know, so you do have to help them along. And I don't remember my first two boys being this rambunctious. They have different personalities. There were only two of them. They're very close together and have always kind of been best buddies. And so, I mean, they, they had squabbles and and disagreements, but, um, but I noticed like my, my little boys, all five of them will make little alliances and 
calm, relatively calmly, like scour the yard for lizards and things like that for a while. But then when they all get together, it's just like this snarling bunch of energy that you, like I said, you kind of have to like pay attention and be like, okay, we're done now. Let's, let's move on to something calmer and pay attention. Um, but my older boys probably had a little more of that. Let's just spend hours outside, you know, looking at bugs and, and chasing lizards and not quite as much the rolling around on the ground as much. Well, yeah, just the sheer quantity that yeah. you have all close together. Like that's a lot of lots of little boys. I want to know about your relationship homeschooling. Cause you mentioned you homeschool and navigating that with the boys is something that I'm just really curious about. Did you outsource different things? Did you always maintain their respect through the homeschooling process? How do you feel like that has been through the years? We have done a variety of different combos of things for homeschooling. So when I had Evie and Nola and we had three little children already, I was homeschooling the first two and then we have a three-year gap. And then Della was not school age yet. She wasn't even quite two when Evie and Nola were born. And I remember just being, I talk about the cinemas for mama, but being kind of like, okay, Lord, this is going to be an interesting year. I mean, really interesting, but you know, we'll make it through. And the Lord provided like almost last second, like a couple of weeks before Evie and Nola were born, he provided this little hybrid homeschool slash tiny, tiny, tiny church, private school situation that was like 20 minutes from our house. And they went there for a couple of days and were home for the rest of the time. And that was, that was the perfect balance for trying to feed and keep newborns alive take care of a toddler and then do some school with my older boys. So we did that for two years. And then we really felt like the Lord was wanting us to all be together again for the whole week. So we were together again for the whole week for another, probably three years. And then we started a homeschool co-op once a week. And we did that. That, that was a one where I had to be there during the day and taught high school Spanish. Cause that's, I have a degree in that. And that's what I did before I became a mom. And, and for a little while, while I was a mom teaching part-time and so we did that and that was great, you know, opportunity for hanging out with friends and for kind of hands-on like science experiment stuff and art projects and things that we weren't necessarily always getting to at home. And we did that for a couple of years, actually more than a couple, probably four. And then along comes another set of twins. And so we actually transitioned my older boys to a separate co-op so that they were doing two co-op days a week. They're in... Um, one was in high school already and the other was, you know, right in the middle of middle school. And so that really helped again with the load of the academic heavy subjects to have a teacher twice a week and then they would do them at home and then we would do family Bible reading together and we would do read alouds together and we would do family style learning together that, that they still got to participate in because neither one were driving at that point and life gets more complicated when your kids drive it's awesome to have drivers but still you know like everybody's going different directions and we've always been the family that has eaten together in the evenings that does read alouds together each day that maybe not each day but close that does family bible reading in the morning so um, I love that foundation of togetherness that we've laid. And I really do think that that has helped maintain a respectful and loving relationship with all of my kids, but including my boys, even when they're older. Um, and I would say, I say all of the time that it's important to make disrespect, not an option in your home. And, and what I mean by that is this, it will still come, even if it's not an option. It doesn't mean they'll never be disrespectful. People are like, wait, 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 you're able to keep your kids from being disrespectful ever. I'm like, no, that's not what that means. It means that if something is not an option, then there's going to be a follow-up. You're either going to choose to be respectful or you're going to choose a consequence of some kind. 
your choice to be disrespectful is your own, yes, but it doesn't come without some sort of follow-up, you know, some sort of either um, engaging with them relationally to see like, where's this coming from? I talk about an incident in, um, in Heart is Not Same Thing as Bad, where my second born kind of spoke rudely to me about salad. Like, I mean, it wasn't really about salad. It was the fact that I had modeled disrespect to his dad in a stressful moment where I'd snapped at Sean. He saw it and then he was rude to me. Well, that wasn't a moment of a consequence so much as an opportunity for me to say, I modeled incorrectly to you. I was wrong and you were wrong as well. You know, we need to both ask for forgiveness. And we did and we gave it and we received it and we were back to good. And that's what it took, you know, and he, I think he talked to his dad some too. So maybe it wasn't like, you know, a snap, but, um, but after that, we could just go back to being what we are at this point, which is I'm his mom and I'm his authority, but he's also my friend, you know, and I would say all of my kids are my friends in the sense that I like them and I love them. They're my buddies, but when they get older, they start to be your friends in the sense that they can really carry on that conversation with you. You can have something that um, gets you thinking as much as you're getting them thinking. And I love that so much. And how would you say that you've navigated like consequence or discipline or stuff like that throughout different seasons? Do you um, have Sean do that? Are you following through on those things with your boys? How is that kind of? Oh, I'm definitely following through on them because I'm the one that's with them most of the time. If we mm-hmm. had the understanding in our home that if you disrespect mom, only dad's going to follow through on a consequence. A, I think we would probably run out of steam a lot by the time dad got home to deliver the consequence, whatever it was, whether it was a talking to, whether it was physical labor, whether it was grounding from something, whatever, mm-hmm. that that mom needs to be seen as an authority as well. I, I have sort of seen the mindset that listen, boys aren't going to respect you anyway. They're only going to respect male authority, but we should be teaching our children to respect image bearers of God and to be kind to and considerate of everyone, not just people of the same gender. And so I do think that there is a shift that happens, especially as they get older, where it does work a little better for Sean to be the one that has some of those discussions with them, especially if it's about a sensitive topic and kind of a more male related topic when it comes to girls or their bodies or things like that, that maybe it's not all discipline, but he's better suited to have that conversation. But the idea that like, oh, you don't have to be respectful to mom has never even been like a consideration. I'm definitely in there going, hey, listen, we talked about this. You made the wrong choice. Remember we said, if you do this, then this is going to happen or this is not going to happen. And we're we're always talking about responsibility and privilege. It's, it's kind of like the Spider-Man movie, you know, with p- great power comes great responsibility. And we always say with great responsibility, you're going to get great privileges, but you have to do the responsibilities first. And so if a child, whether Sean's home or not, because like I said, he travels a fair bit, if he's not home. And I've said, um, the, you know, you're not going to the volleyball game if you haven't cleaned up. Right now they live in a pool house because we have a renter, rental and they they have kind of their own space. And it's like, if, if the pool house is not clean, I know you all want to go to a volleyball game and I know you're both teenagers, but you got to make the right choice on that. And they're not going if it's not clean, you know, and sometimes I'm the one that has to deliver that bad news. And um, that's okay. They understand that. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Again, you're the one that is home. I totally agree with that perspective that, um, yeah, they might prefer to respect a male authority that might come easier. But as mother, you know, God has definitely placed that authority in their life, regardless of the gender and um, 
yeah, so I really, I really love that. How do you feel like your relationship with your sons and daughters is different or you parent them different? Or do you feel like it's pretty much the same in your home? So it depends on the age because I do feel like a lot of the younger ages, a lot of like physical affection, reading aloud to them, snuggling with them, like ruffling their hair and being like, Hey bud, what's you doing? And they just want to chatter to you about their day. And so it's really about parenting to the heart of their personalities more than gender. But as they've gotten older, you know, of course my girls want to do things with me that my boys are like, "Eh, I don't care. My boys don't ask to go on mother Sundays. My older boys don't. It doesn't mean that we don't like the other day, my oldest was the only one with me because I picked him up from something for whatever reason, he didn't have his car and I was picking him up from something. And, um, all the little kids were at home taking naps. My second oldest was there available should something be needed. And Ezra and I, um, were running errands. And so Ezra was kind of like, can, can I get some food? And I'm like, yeah, where do you want to go? I mean, just a teenage boy asks you for food, feed him. Like that's the way to his heart. <laughs> and so I, I take him for some food and we're just chatting while we're, you know, eating our Chick-fil-A or whatever. And then I needed to go to Walmart to do a pickup order. And then I was like, hey, but I need to run inside. And we had the sweetest time buying clothes at Walmart for my twin toddlers who had grown out of all of their stuff. And he was like giving me, me his opinion, like, I like that one. The blues, oh, I don't really like the mustard. You know, it was just, it was such an unorthodox mother son date and we hadn't even planned it, but we had a great time together, but he's not going to sidle up to me and be like, Hey mama, can we go? Like, can you please take me to Chick-fil-A kind of thing? Whereas my girls absolutely like once a month, Hey, can we go on a mama daughter date? Can we go out to eat? Can we go shopping and can we get our nails done? We don't do that very often, but they always ask. I'm like, probably not this time. Every now and then, um, can we go get ice cream? Can we, you know, paint each other's toenails? And it is very different, especially as they get older. Um, And so you kind of, I'm always a huge advocate for paying attention to your children's personalities and for learning their their interests and for learning what makes them tick and for paying attention to their hearts. Because it's, it is, it is different according to the gender, but a whole lot of it is just pay attention to the individual. That is so sweet. I just, I can see that happening. And I don't know, just like those little dates and those little conversations. I feel like it happens in little like pockets right now Mm -hmm. of my day. And it's just like, how special that you have that friendship and get to have those conversations with your older kids. Like that is just so sweet. Um, I want to know about how you're navigating technology now that your kids are older. I know you touched on it and I think hard is not the same thing as bad. Um, but how is that looking with, with social media, with, you know, smartphones, with all these things? Um, how are you navigating that with your kids? So Ezra has his own phone that is a full phone now, but he's also a graduated, um, like he graduated from, from high school last spring. He drives. We need to be able to communicate with him without like Wi-Fi limitations or things like that. Um, and it's that privilege and responsibility thing. Like we still have access to his phone, even though he's 17 and a half years old and we can check his text. We can check his activity. Um, he keeps his phone in the main house at night. So it stays plugged in there. It's not over in the full house. Um, and then he's kind of free that there's no technology that happens phones or otherwise before 3 PM on a school day. So because he is in a, um, programming a software programming boot camp. And so he needs to be able to use his computer. He needs to be able to look things up. Um, and so we just check in with him regularly. And he has been 
doing a really good job of being responsible with his cell phone usage. Um, and then they generally aren't on social media. We let them get something called Be Real for Europe. We went as a family to Europe last spring and we were wanting some way that they could document their trip and their friends could see it back home. So we debated whether we would keep that going. Um, but the nice thing about Be Real is that it only like it prompts you like once a day. You, you can't be posting on there all the time. It gives you one chance to post per day, or I think maybe two chances. So sure, you could spend way too much time scrolling, but when they can't be on their phones until three, typically, and if he's over there and he's on his phone, and I'm, I'm not bashful about saying, hey, what are you doing on your phone? You know, And he's like, I'm texting this friend a question about this. And he can text with friends, that's fine. But you know, if we're seeing a, a prolonged pattern of being on his phone too much, we'll, we'll talk to him. And then my second born, and, and then we have a kid phone that um, my younger kids can use to communicate with us. So if um, if I am at the store and my older son is home, but he's not in the house and they want to ask me to pick up some butter or something like that, they can use it, but they also know they can't just get on it. Like we check the, the phone history and um, so they don't, they, they'll come and say, may I text my friend what time the party is, or may I look up this recipe or that kind of thing. And again, it stays in a public area, so it can't be taken to their room or anything like that. And then my second born has his own phone, but it's only enabled by Wi-Fi. Um, so he uses it to listen to music and he'll watch ESPN. And again, we're checking in with him and seeing what it is that he's doing on his phone, checking on his text, which I know a lot of people would be like, I can't believe you, you look at your kids' phones. But the other option would be that they don't have them at all because we really feel like that open ability to be like, hey, we're still in that stage where we're helping you navigate this. We're not going to be checking your phone when you're out of the house. Like that will be your phone. You will be a full-fledged adult. That will be your responsibility. And we might see something as a sister or brother in Christ that we would say, hey, we're seeing some addictive tendencies or whatever. And we could confront you about that because that's what we do as, as Christians is we speak the truth to one another in love. So that could happen in the future. But right now we're still in that. We're all in this, under the same roof. We all have boundaries um, that are not, you know, the adults. And we are just kind of always prayerfully navigating when to pull back and when to add those freedoms according to how well they're being managed. Yeah, that's really good. That answers a lot of questions because, yeah, we're just we're in this season where like technology is going to be a part of our kids lives how do you introduce it when do you introduce it so it's just always really interesting to hear from other parents who are navigating that and i totally think it's a great idea to be checking your kids texts especially when they're, when they're at home it's like it's it's your home and they're clearly living there for a reason and that parental oversight is so helpful i although i do remember being like so annoyed at my dad when he was mm -hmm. checking my texts when mm -hmm. i was in my teens but you know it also like it also did keep me from saying things and sending things that I yeah. wouldn't have otherwise. So, you know, it, it did serve the purpose as annoying as it was, you know, so I am thankful for it. Um, how, okay. So navigating that whole season of them leaving the home, because right now all your kids are at home, right? Your son's doing this program. He's doing it from home. Yeah. And then do you think that is, are you kind of open on a child by child basis, what that looks like, whether they, you know, go to college or when they move out or whatever, or do you guys kind of have a ideal in mind? No, definitely child by child basis. And as long as our children are 
pursuing something productive and contributing to our home and being part of the team as opposed to wanting to um, be a mooch, you know? I mean, and, and I think we can all have that tendency. It's like, oh, gee, I would love to be served and have everything done for me. That's not how my life works. But, you know, in our flesh, we probably do want our own privacy and stuff done for us without contributing. So we're always um, emphasizing that concept that we are part of a team. We are a family. We work together. We support each other. We fill in the gaps. Um, and as is age appropriate. So obviously we're not giving responsibilities that aren't appropriate to younger children. And our older boys have a lot of freedom and are gone way more than they were last year. And next year they will probably be gone way more than they were this year. They have friends, they have sports teams, they have had some jobs, they have interests, and we are not opposed to those at all. And we want to, again, it's that gradual pulling back. It's not just <clears throat> excuse me it's not just this concept that you um kind of raise them i've heard you know people oh you're raising them in a bubble they won't be able to function in the real world i think it depends on what you define by the real world but also i love the analogy of raising them in a greenhouse no we are giving them a safe and um regulated environment in which to grow and thrive and it is not vastly different than the real world but it gives them opportunities to learn and have many versions of things before that expands a little bit more and then expands a little bit more. And so we're not opposed to Ezra being with us for much longer than now. He's pursuing his studies. He still helps with family chores. He is interactive with his siblings and they get to learn so much from him and enjoy his presence. They adore him. And I think that is so special. And um, I only have one older brother and we have a really close relationship. We fought like cats and dogs when we were little, <laughs> but I think it was kind of lovingly fighting, but, but we got after each other. But from my age 10 and his age 14, he's four years older, just till now, we have been incredibly close. And we both lived at home for much longer than the quote unquote socially acceptable standard in our culture. And I think we really benefited from that environment from being together from being able to help our parents through some things and still be supportive whilst while still living our own lives you know so we would be a case-by-case -case basis on college on living quarters on um all those things honestly yeah yeah so you're just kind of open to seeing how the lord leads in the maturity of each child at yeah. that age and all of those things i love the that that mental picture of a greenhouse because when people say the bubble then a bubble can pop. But I love that concept of the greenhouse. Anyone who's grown food knows that, okay, there's this time of hardening the plants where you like put them outside for a bit yeah. overnight and they're getting used to that before you're just, you know, they're in their own soil somewhere. And so I really love that visual. Of, okay, there's this, this time when they're starting to get used to the outdoor atmosphere. And um, yeah, before they go on the ground, start to take roots and yeah. grow on their own. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Um, what would you advise a younger mom? Like, is there something looking back where you're like, I wish I would have done this differently, or I'm really glad that I did this? If she's got a lot of boys, what would what would you say? So boys or girls, I talk a lot about this thing that the Lord took me through called the gentleness challenge. Um, and I have it in an ebook on my website, um, msformama.net, if you want to check it out. But I have this quote that someone quoted to me or about me by tagging me on social media. And it was so convicting because this really high stress season that we're in, 
there are days when I feel myself being short and not using completely kind tones and words and um, transferring some of my stress to my children. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's it's said it's me quoting me, but it was from someone else, but it's from Emma's for mama. And it was, it's a paraphrase that goes something like, um, if I look back in 10 years, how important will be, will these things seem that I'm freaking out about that I'm fussing at my kids about in the grand scheme Mm -hmm. of things, including the effect it will have had on our relationship. And so I'm having to remind myself that, of that now because it just, my, my, my limit is pretty much hit in terms of stress and things to juggle. And there are some days that I feel really overstimulated. And I think that that's a place that a lot of young moms live in is overstimulation. Mm-hmm. So the biggest advice that I would have would be one, and I talk about this on podcasts, if you want them broken down more rhythms. And I know you're huge on this, get it all done club, all of that rhythms that serve your family and bring peace in your home so that you're consistently doing the things that keep you caught up at least a little bit, you know, and there are seasons when it will feel much harder to catch up than others. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. There's ebbs and flows. There are seasons that you're going to feel really, really impressed with yourself as a mom and on top of things. And then the Lord will knock you back and say, remember, you need me every hour, every day. And that's not a bad place to be in realization. That's a very good place. So create those rhythms that will serve you well going forward so that your kids know what to expect. There's lots of repetition. They're not like, what are we doing today? Like it's this new day starting over brand new lost. That's not a good place for kids to be. They tend to, um, they tend to act out in those situations and they tend to just be frustrated by the, by the lack of boundaries and the lack of knowledge of what's coming. If you've ever had that child that wants to know what's for dinner, when you're leaving, you know, what, like, it can be really frustrating your mom as a mom. Cause you're like, I don't have all this figured out. Like, like, let me figure. And they're like, no, I need you to know. So just those little extra steps of prepping a little bit, but the, the night before writing yourself a list, knowing these questions are coming. Oh, Hey, bud, we're having spaghetti tonight. And remember it's morning time. So what does that mean you should do? I need to go brush my teeth, make my bed and put my clothes away. Well, if that's what morning time is for your family, you know, morning chores, then maybe don't vary that for a really long time because kids do really well with repetition. And when they bounce all over for chores, a lot of times they don't learn to master any one thing really well. So I'm really big on simple repetition. And then the second thing would be what I was saying about your, your words and your speech and your attitude. Keep in mind that you could have a hundred compliments and two people who said negative things and the negative things are are what are going to stick in your mind. And sometimes for years and our kids are the same way. Thankfully, the Lord has made them really forgiving, but especially with boys, we as moms want to be respectful to them. We don't want to be disrespectful to our daughters. I'm not saying that, but boys are really wired as men to, um, to not want to be babied and talked down to past a certain age. They want to be treated like they have something to offer and that they are, um, that they're trusted. And of course, sometimes when they aren't doing things the right way, or they're not making good choices, you're like, I can't trust, find ways to trust them, find ways to speak life over them. And then when you find yourself, like I just did last week in a situation where you're realizing, I am struggling with negativity because I'm maxed out, but it's not an excuse use God's word, godly encouragement, counsel from a friend, the gentleness challenge, whatever it takes to get yourself back to being able to remember before it comes out of your mouth, 
in 10 years, will I want him to remember that I said this? Um, Cause that's, yeah, you don't want those harsh words ringing in their ears. Wow. Yeah, that's good. I can relate to you on the biting off more than I can chew and then <laughs> taking it out of my kids. And it's, or you didn't say that per se, but that's no, what that's I what feel I mean, like. Though. Yeah. It's yeah. not their fault that I'm stressed. I yeah, mean, exactly. It's like, and, and maybe they have their emotional moment or whatever, yeah. but I'm not being the gracious one for them because I'm also maxed instead of like, I need to keep some bandwidth yes. in my life so that I can be the emotionally stable one when they're having their meltdown Exactly. Yeah. and trying to learn through all that. So I love that. Wow. That is so good, Abby. Thank you so much, especially that 10 years and that looking back and like, am I going to actually, is this worth getting stressed out about right now? And mm. what are those negative ramifications that are going to come from that? Are those going to be more long lasting than just the stress of this moment? Mm. Um, yeah. Cause I don't want that. I don't want the bleed into, you know, the decades where they look back and are like, oh, my mom was this way or my mom would say this. And it's like, yeah. oh, well, that was just in a brief moment for me. Yeah, exactly. It may not be as impactful for us as it is for them. And we can't, I, I know that that could probably lead a lot of moms to start kicking themselves and saying, well, then I've already messed up and I've already taken that back. But I'll give you this example as an encouragement. When I started doing the gentleness challenge, I was dealing with postpartum rage after baby number eight and had chosen a season of way too much to talk about this in heart's not same thing as bad. And, um, was just pushing through and gritting my teeth and, and just saying, I can do this. I can do this. But really I wasn't, I, I might've been like showing up on time to things or getting things done, but I, I was just kind of not a very happy person to be around. Um, and I didn't like myself very much, you know, and some of it was very hormonal, but like I talk about hormones are not an excuse to sin. Mm -hmm. And so, my oldest really was struggling with me, understandably, and he was having a lot of emotional changes then as well. He was about 12 years old. So he, he had a lot of things going on in his hormones. And so I had to really, really humble myself to him and say, I have not been handling this well for the last couple of months. I am not setting a good example for you. I am sorry. There are some factors here that won't always be here and they're not an excuse, but just know this isn't like the rest of our lives, but they don't excuse sin. And so I confess to you that I have sinned against you in being short and, you know, rude in my speech or impatient or whatever. Um, and it took him a while because he's a deep thinker and a deep feeler to really get to fully internalize that forgiveness for me, but we are so good now. Like he's the one that was helping me close shop. So if you ever feel like you're too far gone, just know that there is no such thing as too far gone with the Lord, that he can redeem anything mm -hmm. that he is able. And again, when I'm talking, yeah, I won't even give the caveat. I was going to say, you know, it wasn't such a long period and it wasn't that, but really we don't get to decide how bad it is. It's our kids that, that, that have the impact on them. So exactly what you said, it may have felt like a short season to us and I'll get better in a month or, or whatever, or in a week, but we have to realize that that may have more of a lasting effect and that we may have to battle back a little more. It's not that it's lost, but we will have to make the effort and be really, really aware of, um, of avoiding that in the future. Yeah. That's a, that, that's an encouragement. That's what I love about you is that I feel like you give the hard truth and you really convict people, but then you also give this, Hey, there is grace in Christ and there's ways to overcome these things Absolutely. and there's hope. And it's not like 
this tough love without the um, truth of the grace that God brings in it. Like how wonderful that we get to experience that as moms. Yes. Praise God for that. Cause I am lost without it for sure. Yeah. That, I mean, I definitely am. <laughs> so thank you so much. I'm going to let you get back to whatever else you have going on for the day, but can, before we do, can you let our listeners know where they can find you? We referenced a couple of your books. Where could they purchase those? I know they will be so encouraged by them. I've shared them um, both on the podcast before. And then where can they find you? You have a podcast, you have a website. I know there's yep. so many moms out there. Yeah, I make it pretty easy because my podcast, Emma's for Mama, is the same as my website, which is msformama.net, which is the same as my Instagram, where I hang out the most as far as social media goes, which is m.is.for.mama, because people got really confused when there weren't periods in between. And then you can find my books just about anywhere that books are sold. They actually just got released in Sam's Club, which is fun, and Hobby Lobby, which is super fun because Hobby Lobby is kind of like this club that's hard to get into. And I can't believe the Lord put my book there. So that's cool. Well, I could definitely believe that he put your book there. Um, <laughs> it is you don't find things like your books on the market. They definitely are unique. Your story is unique. And the way that you share it with that love and with that truth is just really powerful. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time to write those in the midst of the rest of your life. Really appreciate it. <laughs> I feel really privileged that I get to do that. It's a blessing for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and hopefully we'll have you back on sometime. That sounds great. Okay. Bye. Bye.